How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Uh, hope everyone's doing well during this coronavirus time, uh, staying inside. I'm going to be doing two podcasts per week now. I took a few weeks off just because of everything going on. Um, I was down in Charlotte, supposed to be going to the NCAA tournament, uh, Sabres game and whatnot, but obviously none of that happened because all sports are kind of on hold right now. But I know a lot of you are missing sports right now, so I'm going to uh, make a conscious effort to do two per week to get some sports content out there for all those sports fanatics that are just um, missing talking about sports in general. Today I'm be going over my list of the top 10 Sabres and Bills all time in my opinion, as well as doing a first, second, and third team for big four hoops basketball, so that's Niagara, Canisius, UB, and St. Bonaventure. Um, obviously, I'm only 22 and I haven't been alive. Um, for some of these players during the time they were playing, like Jim Kelly, Gilbert Perot, those guys. So um, it's all opinion-based. Obviously, everyone can have different answers. But these are just my personal um, top 10. So I'm going to start with the Sabres. Um, so starting at number 10, I have Thomas Vanek. Um, I think Thomas Vanek's actually one of the most underappreciated Sabres of all time. Um, consistent goal scorer, great presence in front of the net. Um, he did some pretty crazy things in the shootout. Um, probably second or third best shootout guy all time. Um, number one to me is Alesh Kotalik. But Vanek did some uh, cool things like the around the world circling the puck and shooting. Um, just a great goal scorer. He had 40 goal season. Um, 254 career goals. Uh, 243 assists and 497 points in 598 games. Um, I thought it was a little bad on the Sabres part for just giving, um, I don't know. To me, when a player leaves the team, um, I feel like if they made a significant impact, they shouldn't give out that player's number, at least for a significant period of time. I mean, obviously you have the player retire number, but, um, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure no one's worn number 30 since Ryan Miller left. Um, I think the only player to wear 48 might have been William Carrier since Briere left. I don't even remember if he was 48 or not. Um, obviously, they didn't do really right by Chris Drury as Vili Lanor. Now Sam Reinhardt's wearing it, but um, that's all hearsay. You know, Vanek left and Molson's worn 26, now Dahlin. Um There's definitely been some arguments if you go on um, Twitter and whatnot, or if you listen to some Sabres podcasts of people thinking that Vanek's number should be retired. Um, I don't know if I would go that far, but he definitely should be in that conversation just for his tenure with the team. Um, I was actually looking at it the other day. It's pretty crazy that he, um, in every season except for his last season, he's at over 40 points, which is just insane for a guy his age. I know he still wants to be playing in the NHL. I don't know if that's going to happen, but Vanek's number 10 for me. Number 9, I have Jack Eichel. Um, he's the only current Sabre I have on this entire list. Um, I think when it's all said and done, if Jack stays here throughout the duration of his career, um, there's no doubt in my mind that he could finish number 1 on this list someday. I mean, he's only played 354 games as a Sabre, and he's already had 337 points. Um He's already climbing and climbing up the scoring charge for the Sabres. Um, super young captain. 
Um, it's obvious his impact on the ice before the season was shut down this year. He was on pace for a career year, almost, I think, a little over 100 points. I think he was pretty 104 with the current pace he was on. Um, I remember me and my dad went and watched the Prospects Challenge um, in Buffalo when he was here before we drafted him. And you could just see from the moment he was on the ice that he was going to be a special talent. Every single time his line was on the ice, something was happening. Um, super fun player to watch. Quick hands, incredible shot, um, long, lengthy strides. Um, number nine for right now, but there's no doubt I think he'll at least be in the top three when it's all said and done. Uh, number eight, I have Alexander McGilney. Um Really good forward for the Sabres. He played 381 games for him, 444 points, uh, 211 goals, 233 assists. Uh, one of the staples in the Sabres organization um, through the years. Um, I wasn't really alive to watch him, but um, just from watching the tad bits of highlights online and reading up about him, um, it was pretty easy to have him in the top 10. Um, number seven, one of the three French Connection members that are going to be on this list. I have Rennie Robert, 524 games, 552 points, 330 assists, and 222 goals. Um, when you talk about the Buffalo Sabres, one of the first things um, outside, you know, Perot and Hashik, I think a lot of people think of is the French Connection. Um, probably one of the more dominant lines um, in NHL history as far as going back um, in that generation. But um, the combination of Robert, Martin, and Perot is just a staple of the Sabres becoming good. Um, without those three, who knows where we'd be. We were fortunate enough to get Perot with the first pick once we came into the league um, as an expansion team. But uh, I've run Robert at number seven. Number six, I have Ryan Miller. Um, to me, he's always going to be um, the Sabres' best goalie, only because I didn't really get to see Hashik play. I know Hashik was easily a more talented player, and he's going to be higher um, on this list than Miller is. Um, I just got to watch him for the full 11 years he was here in Buffalo, and he's probably my favorite player of all time. Um, he played in 540 games with the Sabres. He had 284 wins, 186 losses, and 57 uh, overtime losses or shootouts. A 916 save percentage and 28 shutouts. Um, he won the Vesna in 2009-10 season. He was an all-star. Um, and I think Miller is going to always be remembered for that Olympic performance he had. I know they didn't win the gold. And Cindy Crosby kind of has a number between the Winter Classic and then um, the overtime goal in the Olympics to win the gold, but um, he still got named tournament most outstanding player. I mean, um, I think Ryan Miller is one of the more underappreciated goaltenders um, of the past 10, 15 years in the NHL, um, and I think he's definitely one of the best U.S. goaltenders in the history of the game. Uh, but obviously, Hashik won a lot more Vesnos and MVPs, and he's going to be a lot higher on this list. Miller, unfortunately, never got to go to a Stanley Cup. Um, his best years were definitely from that 06 to 08 time when they had um, guys like Breer and Jury on. That was kind of their best shot at winning a cup, but ultimately fell short. Um, number five, I have Dave Anderchuk. Um, 
837 career games played, 804 points, 436 assists, 368 goals. Um, he's actually number two on the all-time Sabres scoring list. Um, the only reason I have him a little lower is just because, um, as you'll see in both the Bills and Sabres list I made, part of it's just general impact and skill set more than it is how much points you put up. Like, there's guys that put up more points than Jack Eichel and Thomas Vanek, but I have them higher just because of their overall impact on the team, on the city, and whatnot. Um, but Anderchuk was obviously another staple um, of the Sabres organization. Number four, I have Rick Martin, second member of the French Connection. Um, 681 games played with Sabres, 695 points. 382 goals and 313 assists. Um, as I already talked about with the French Connection, um, who knows where the Sabres would be if they weren't around. Um, they kind of set the movement for the Sabres being relevant in the NHL when they came in um, and kind of got the odd going and whatnot and kind of helped bring the Buffalo sports passion to what it is today. Number three, I have Pat LaFontaine. Um, I know he wasn't a Sabre as long as a lot of these other guys. He only had 268 games played as a Sabre, but he did have 385 points in those 268 games, 158 goals and 227 assists. He falls into that category of the things he could do with the puck on the ice, um, which is above a lot of other players on this list. Just from highlights I've watched and reading a little bit about him, um, Super, super talented. Um, I think Eichel even has those little flashes that LaFontaine had. As far as his ability to kind of just carry a line um, up and down the ice, super quick, great skater. Um, I mean, Perot, same thing. Um, you can kind of see um, how Eichel has some of the same skill sets as far as he could just go coast to coast and go around entire defenses. Um, I think LaFontaine and Perot were two of the Sabres, um, now Eichel, that were able to do that. A lot of these other guys really couldn't do that up and down the ice and get around all these players. So I have LaFontaine at number three. Number two, I have Dominic Hasek. I think one and two is always going to be argued um, by Sabres fans because obviously if I have Hasek at two, Perot is going to be number one for me. Um, Hasek, nine years with Sabres, 234 wins, 170 losses. 70, 70 overtime slash shootout losses, um, 491 games played. He had a 926 save percentage, which is super incredible, and he had 55 shutouts. Um, you know, it's been really cool being able to watch some of these old Sabres games on MSG. I watched the one um, the other night when they won 1-0 against the Devils in four overtimes, and Ash had, like I think, 72 or 80-something saves or something like that. Um, it was just crazy how good he was um, at um, moving around the crease, doing the uh, stacked pads, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I think Rick Jennerette probably thinks Hashik's his favorite player because of all the calls you could have with Hashik with robbery and whatnot. Um, but it's very unfortunate that they weren't able to win a cup with him because he was so good. Um, he's a six-time Vesna winner. Won NHL MVP, the Hart Trophy, um, two times. He's a five-time All-Star. Um, 
not a lot you can say wrong about Dominic Hatchke. He eventually went and won a Stanley Cup um, as a backup, but, you know, it would have been nice if he could have won one as a Sabre. And then number one, Gilbert Perot, the original Sabre, as Rick Jennerette would say. Um, 1,191 games, Sabres, 1,326 points, uh, most all-time by a Sabre, 814 assists, 512 goals, all um, most all-time by a Sabre player. Um, Eichel is probably going to be the only guy in the near future that even has a chance at getting up to those numbers, but uh, it's going to take him a while for sure. Um, like I mentioned before, Perot's ability to just go around every single defender on the ice, coast-to-coast, score goals, um, was incredible. Um, I really wish I was alive to see the French Connection play. Um, They seem like just a dominant line. I mean, I know I've gotten to see Breer and Jury play, and, you know, Eichel, Skinner, and Reinhardt last year looked like a really dominant line, but I just think that Perot, Robert, and um, Martin were probably 10 times more dominant. I wish I could have been able to see that. Um, so, top 10, Vanek, Eichel, Mogilny, Robert, Miller, Anderchuk, Rick Martin at 4, LaFontaine at 3, Hashik at 2, and Perot at 1. Um, like I've said before, a lot of other guys that could have made this list between Danny Gare, Danny Briere, Drury, Housley, Shatan, Don Luce, Felino, Ramsey, Pominville, um, it's all really opinion-based, but those are my top 10. And then moving on to the Bills, I'm going to do this one a little quicker. I know you guys don't want to just hear stats over and over, but um, at number 10, I had Eric Moulds, number two receiving all-time with the Bills. Um, it really stinks that he couldn't have been around a little bit before, so he could have played more years with uh, Lofton and Reed um, and been a part of um, playing with Jim Kelly and whatnot, but uh, fortunately, he never really got to do much with the Bills as far as playoffs or anything went. He had 9,096 yards career and 48 touchdowns. Um, number nine, I had Cornelius Bennett. 129 games played, um, six interceptions, 22 forced fumbles, um, 793 career tackles. Dude was just a beast at the linebacker position. One of the best Bills all time, if not the best linebacker for the Bills all time. Um, number eight, I had Kyle Williams. Um, Kyle Williams' impact just both on and off the field really stuck with me, just getting to watch him. And I think if you ask a lot of Bills players and old players, they would tell you the same thing, that Kyle's a top 10 player all time with the Bills. Um, the Bills really struck gold with him as a late-round, mid-round draft pick. Um, 183 games played, um, 48 and a half sacks, 387 tackles. He was never going to blow you away with his speed or um, rack up the amount of tackles or sacks that some other defensive tackles do. But um, just always consistent, always healthy. He only really had one career bad injury where he missed a significant period of time. But um, saw he's a pretty effective running back too. He can run catch the ball. Um, in the late part of his career, they gave him a few goal line carries and he actually caught a pass in his last game, which is pretty incredible. So Kai Williams, number eight. Number seven, should be Hall of Famer. Hopefully he'll be there soon. Steve Tasker, greatest special teamer of all time in the NFL. Um, he also played receiver a little bit. He had 779 yards receiving and nine touchdowns. He's the only special team player to ever win Pro Bowl MVP. Um, 
it's obviously nothing like today's Pro Bowl where it's pretty much powder puff football. Um, Steve Tasker was going out there and laying dudes out, causing fumbles, um, running back for touchdowns and whatnot, blocking kicks. Um, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Special teamers deserve to be in there too, so hopefully he'll get in there soon. Um, number six, and all the way to number one, these are all Hall of Famers for the Bills. Number six, I have Joe Delama Lure. Um, great offensive lineman, part of a group called the Electric Company back in the day. Um, the first year he played, he was a first-round pick. Um, O.J. Simpson was the first running back ever to rush for 2,000 yards in a 14-game span. Um, just physically dominant offensive lineman. Um, I wish I could have seen him play because, you know, growing up, the only big offensive linemen the Bills have had, you know, between Eric Wood, um, Richie Incognito, those guys have really been probably the best linemen we've had. Um, but it seems like Joe DeLamalore was just on another level as far as offensive linemen go, almost like a Ravens Marshall Yonda type, um, just generational type talent that could anchor your entire offensive line. Um, Number five, I have O.J. Simpson, um, 57 career touchdowns, 4.8 yards per carry, 10,183 yards um, with the Bills. One of the best running backs of all time. Obviously, a lot of controversy around him um, with the whole trial and whatnot, but uh, still a fantastic football player. I probably have him a little bit higher if none of the off-field stuff happened, but they did, but he is a Hall of Famer, and he definitely deserves to be in the top 10 for the Bills. Um, number four through one's always hard because I think everyone knows who the top four Bills players all time are. I know you could probably throw O.J. Simpson in that argument, but everyone pretty much could argue Kelly, Smith, Thomas, and Andre Reed for those top four spots. Um, so my number four is Andre Reed. Um, 941 career catches for 13,095 yards and 86 touchdowns. Number one for the Bills in every receiving category. Um, just kind of a hidden talent that Marv Levy was able to kind of strike gold on, just like the Bills did with Kyle Williams, but even more so. Um, the Andre Reid, if you ask, I think most people in the NFL, he was almost coined by the phrase rack or, yeah, excuse me, yards after catch. Um, his ability to just, after he would catch a pass, to hit the second level or break a tackle and continue to go um, was something uh, to behold. Um, I really wish I could have been alive to watch all of these, even though we lost four Super Bowls. I think it would have been really cool. I'm glad the Bills are kind of on a good track now. But um, number three, Thurman Thomas. 11,938 yards, 65 touchdowns, 4.2 yards a carry. Um, best Bills running back of all time, in my opinion. OJ could definitely be argued, but um, Thomas's ability both um, in the receiving game and running game just made him so versatile. Um, you know, there's always the story about his helmet in the Super Bowl getting moved and whatnot. Um, I think he should have got a little more carries in some of those Super Bowls, but can't go back now and change it but just thinking about how he played with um Barry Sanders at Oklahoma State shows you how like talented he is with that those two guys are on the same team at the same time um Bruce Smith's my number two um, it's really hard between him and Kelly 
217 career games, 35 forced fumbles, one touchdown, 200 career sacks, 171 of those were with Buffalo. He's the all-time career um, sack leader in NFL history. And then number one, Jim Kelly, 101-59 and record, uh, 35,000 passing yards, 237 touchdowns and only 175 interceptions. Um, the reason I put Kelly over Smith and Thomas and the other guys is solely because of, you know, he didn't want to come play in Buffalo at first, but eventually warmed up to the city. And if we didn't have Jim Kelly, um, there's just no way we would have went to any of those Super Bowls. I know Thomas is super talented. Same thing with Bruce Smith, but um, everyone knows the quarterback's the most important position in football. And if we didn't have Jim um, and his toughness and his ability to lead as the years went on, I don't think the Bills would have went to any Super Bowls. Um, but, yeah, those are my top 10. Mold at 10. Cornelius Bennett at 9. Kyle Williams 8. Steve Tasker at 7. Delama Lure at 6. Simpson at 5. Andre Reid at 4. Thurman at 3. Bruce Smith at 2. And Jim Kelly at 1. Um, there's a lot of other guys that you could have put in here. Cookie Gilchrist, Jack Kemp. I'd even make an argument for Fred Jackson just because of his um, being undrafted from a Division three school and uh, his impact both on and off the field. But those are my top 10 Bills and Sabres all time. And then finally, I'm going to be going over a big four hoops. Um, first, second, and third team over the past decade. Um, so I don't have a lot of the guys from way back in the day like the Ray Halls of Canisius and whatnot, but... Um, just because I think I can give a little more analysis on guys um, of the past. I'm really not going to give too many stats for the second and third team guys, but first team guys I will. Um, so starting at the third team, um, I have Matt Mobley from St. Bonaventure, Wes Clark from UB, the point guard, um, just total dog. You could see what he did when they played Arizona on the tournament, upset them. Um, Malik Johnson from Canisius, four-year starter, played in every single game. Um, Courtney Stockard from St. Bonaventure, and then Wanye Green from Niagara. Um, for the third team, I didn't go by position specifically. Um, third team, I kind of just put the last five best available players, I thought. Um, second and first team, it was all by position of two guards and then three forward slash center combinations. So um, second team. Uh, guard Jalen Adams from St. Bonaventure. He's currently with the Bucks in their G League system in the NBA. He played 30 games for the Hawks last year. Um, guard Antoine Mason from Niagara. Another second team guy. Elite scorer. Um, averaged 25.6 his last year at Niagara, which was good for first in the nation um, before he transferred to Auburn as a grad transfer. Um, Justin Moss from UB. Um, it's my first forward for the second team. Um, he'd probably be a first-teamer, honestly, if he could have stayed for his four years, but he got in some off-the-court issues um, at UB, but and he hasn't played college ball since. But he was just a dominant guy. I remember watching him a few times um, at UB, and he just could straight body you in the paint and do pretty much a little of everything, jump shot around the hoop everything um Jermaine Crumpton from Canisius um player of the year his senior year um really developed from a freshman through his senior year lost a ton of weight going into his senior year um led the Canisius to their first 
um, share of the MAC um, regular season title in almost 30 years. And then Jeremy Harris from UB, Swiss Army Knife, kind of could do everything. Very clutch player. Um, showed that in the tournament, his ability to really take over when needed. And now moving to first team, um, these guys, I got a chance to watch pretty much all of them. The only one I didn't get to watch on this list, I'll start with him, is forward Andrew Nicholson at St. Bonaventure. I got to watch him on TV. I never got to watch him in person. Um, that dude was just a beast. 17.1 career points um, at St. Bonaventure, 7.2 rebounds per game. 57.5% from the field and shot 37.7% from three, which is very good for kind of a small forward, power forward type guy. He was the 19th pick in the 2012 NBA draft by the Orlando Magic. Um, spent time with them, spent time with the Wizards. I believe he actually played for the Pistons for a year as well. Um, he's currently playing overseas in China. Um, probably the best player in St. Bonaventure history. Um, dude was just an absolute beast. Um, another forward, Nick Perkins from UB, 12.8 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, 45% from field, and 32% from three. Um, three times six man of the year. Um, Nick Perkins easily could have started at a lot of other schools, and he could have started at UB as well, but um, Nate Oates told him his best role was coming off the bench, and he accepted that. That's a big reason why I even put him on the first team over a guy like um, Crumpton or Harris. Um just because he was willing to accept that role and really excelled at it. Um, and when it mattered most, Perkins was always on the floor towards the end of games. Um, another UB player, Javon McCray, um, player of the year, 15.7 points, 7.7 .7 rebounds, and 1.9 assists per game on 57.6% shooting. Um, really versatile big man um, for UB through the years. And he's one of three uh, UB players I have on the first team. And the last UB player I have on it. And probably the arguably the best player um, of the big four over the past decade. Um, is CJ Massenberg from UB. 15.3 points, 2.4 assists, and 5.9 rebounds on 52% shooting. 38% from three. He was a player of the year. Um, his senior season. Um, he could really just do it all. Showed up in big-time games like West Virginia last year. Um, showed up in the tournament. Um, just a player that could do everything. He can defend, um, score when needed. He's not just a three-point guy. Um, gets into the paint, has good handles. He's currently with the Nets G League team after going undrafted. Um, but really fun player to watch. I got the pleasure of watching him four or five times um, over his four-year span at UB. Um, I think if you ask a lot of UB fans, they would say he's their favorite player of all time. A really class act student um, on and off the court. Um, and then the last player on the first team is Billy Barron from Canisius. Um, he only played two years at Canisius. Over those two years, he averaged 20.7 points, 5.2 assists, 4.5 rebounds, and 49% from the field and 40% from three. Um, being a season ticket holder, can you just, I got to watch pretty much every game he ever played in. Um, I never got to watch Ray Hall, so I won't do him disrespect by saying that Billy's better than him, but I think Barron's easily the second best player all time, and I think he'd have a really good shot at being first if he was there for all four years. Um, elite scorer, really helped turn the Canisius program around. 
from pretty much a dumpster fire and do a relevant team in the MAC conference. Um, I really would have loved to see him play for four years. Played for a few teams um, in the summer league for the NBA. Now he's playing overseas where he's actually won two titles and um, an MVP award. So uh, really good for him. I know there's not a lot of Niagara players on there. Um, so it's solely because for a good chunk of the past decade, um, they weren't the best team. And the other reason is because a lot of their best players they did have were guards. There's just so many good guards between Canisius, Niagara, and, or excuse me, Canisius, UB, and St. Bonaventure. It was really hard to get other guys in there. Um, Niagara's definitely had some other great players in there as well. Khalil Dukes is another guy that probably could have been on any of these teams as well. But, um, yeah, Massenburg, Billy Barron, Andrew Nicholson, Nick Perkins, Javon McCray are my first team, all-decade team for Big Four Hoops. Um, I think UB has definitely been the most consistent over the past decade. I know St. Bonaventure is as two. Um, Kinesis and Niagara have both actually been on the rise lately. I know they both had um, a little bit of down years, but I think they're both going um, in the right direction, hopefully, and hopefully all four teams um, sometime soon can either be in a tournament or all be really, really good. Um, so, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. I'm going to have another podcast out hopefully on Friday or Saturday this week. Um, on that podcast, I'm going to talk about which teams had the best and worst um, offseason and free agency so far in the NFL. I'm going to be going through Joe Lenardi's NCAA tournament bracket that he put out. I'm going to go through, just talk about who I thought would have won um, then I'm going to go through the NHL and NBA playoffs if they were to start today on who I think would win. Um, hopefully um, all this will blow over soon and we can get some sports back. But until then, stay inside, watch some old highlights, um, listen to sports podcasts, and uh, hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. And I'll be back with another one later this week. And thank you all for tuning in. And hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And keep an eye out for my second podcast later this week, probably on Friday or Saturday. Thanks, everyone.